Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, what a good morning it is, amen? Amen. So church, I'm glad you came to worship today. And you know, last week we kicked off our, our series called Bridge Builders. And we discussed having, you know, the right blueprints, the plans, and really how important it was that there not be unforgiveness in our heart. And, and I tell you, forgiveness is such a powerful reality that if we have unforgiveness, he tells us, both Paul tells us and Jesus says, hey, if you don't forgive, I don't forgive you. I mean, that's, that's some powerful stuff. And there's so much to it. I encourage you. I didn't cover how many times you told us to forgive, right? You know, 70 times 7 and all that. And, and that's just in one day. And then you start all over again. So as we continue through our Bridge Mirror series, let me start with this short little story. It was during the American Revolution against the British. Now, a man in civilian clothes was was on his horse, and he was riding through this one area. And as he passed this this little group of soldiers, he could overhear their leader barking orders at the soldiers who were repairing this barrier where the enemy would want to come through. But they're exhausted. They're hungry. They're thirsty. They're tired. They're cold. They're wet. And yet, here's this leader barking at them to do things. So this man, in a stranger in civilian clothes on his horse, looks down and, and he, in a real loud voice, says, Why are you not helping the soldiers? <laughs> and the leader yells up at him, Sir! I mean, just with incredible arrogance. I'm a corporal! Oh. Well, I apologize. And the man, the stranger, civilian clothes, well, he gets off his horse, throws his jacket down, goes over to the soldiers and helps build up the barrier. And when all was said and all was done, the stranger walks back to where the corporal is at, and he says, Mr. Corporal, Next time you have a job like this and not enough men to do it, go to your commander-in-chief, and I will come, and I will help you again. The man in the civilian clothes who helped the soldiers repair the barrier was none other than General George Washington. See, there's a clear divide between the general, the commander-in-chief, and the enlisted men. But George Washington, well, he bridged that gap, and he got down and got dirty and helped those who needed help the most. It's in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 28. We we find this story about a, a certain lawyer, and it reads in verse 25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him. Him meaning Jesus. Saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? 
He, meaning Jesus, said to him, the lawyer, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. Now, during this talk between Jesus and this religious leader, this this man of the law, the Mosaic law, I want to draw your attention to the very first question that the lawyer asked Jesus. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit life? Now, a lawyer at this time would be someone who was an expert in the Mosaic law. He knew of the 613 Levitical laws. He knew it all. So he already knew what the answer was. So the fact that he's asking Jesus this question is not a question because he wanted the answer because it was unknown to him. It was because it's a challenge. I want to find out if you know anything. As a pastor, I get challenged all the time. Been for over three decades, they challenge. Now, now I, I push back. They'll go, well, they want to know whether I'm Calvin or Armenian or a combination. They're getting on all this kind of stuff. And I just ask the question, are you here because you are seeking truth and you want to find where truth goes or because you just want to try to get a notch that I took out another pastor? Because if you're resolved in your position, I'm not interested in changing that. And I'm resolved that I'm not going to change my position. I seek unity, not division. And they usually stop and say, well, we'll talk to you again later sometime. Now, Jesus asks, in turn, a question to the lawyer. And the question is, hey, you're the lawyer. What's written in the law? And Jesus knows that the lawyer knows the law. And the lawyer responds correctly. To love the Lord your God, right? All that's within you. And to love your neighbor. And then Jesus responds really quickly. Do this and you will live. What's he saying? Right now, lawyer, you don't love God. Right now, lawyer, there's a question whether you like other people. You're coming to challenge me, but it's a demonstration that you lack love to God and love to others. You see, when you love others, you can only love others because you do love God. And you can't love God without loving others. You see how you can't have one without the other? And Jesus has put him in his place. So a heart after God will always result in changed behavior. When I am after God, because I love God, I no longer desire to do things of my past that are against God. I want to do things that are for God that are like who he is. And like the story of George Washington and the corporal, 
we as Christians have a choice to make. We can be like the corporal and watch as others struggle around us, or we can take action. It all starts with loving God with all that we have. In the case of building a bridge, it requires many things, as we learned even last week. And one of them is gathering the right tools. Having the right tools can make or break the project. As believers, we have been given some really great tools. I encourage you to go to Galatians chapter 5, and you'll see a bunch of them, nine in particular. The ones that say love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These tools are foundational. Let me illustrate what I mean by foundational. Now, how many of you have ever bought one of those big box pieces of furniture that say, you have to assemble it? Or one of those big boxes with the kids, I don't know, kitchen thing in there. And you only have a couple hours before Christmas Eve is over, if you know what I mean, Dad. And this whole thing of the manual, you're so grateful for the manual, but you don't grab the manual for three hours. Because I can build this on my own. Oh, now the laughs are going because the wives know exactly, but they, okay. All right, we're all good now. We're all there. How many have ever noticed that when they give you that big piece of furniture, those bookcases, whatever it might be, that they give you these, these little tools, and there's a million of those screws and the nuts and the bolts, and you know there's no way after taking one two-and-a-half-inch screw, manually turning the thing and your wrist is about to break off. And you're like going... They call that a tool? And you look up at your wife, and your wife says, You better hurry. <laughs> Christmas is coming. I told you, you should have done this a weekend ago. And so then, Tim Allen comes to mind. And I go out to the garage. Now we can play. You see, the right tool for the job changes everything and then if i go and get somebody else to help me will you hold this while i do this what a difference to have the right tools you can have something that the culture of the world that the industry tells you this is all you need you know that after six to eight weeks you'll still be working on the thing or you can go get the YOB 1000 and go buy extra batteries. And you can get all the work done. Folks, we need more than just a manual. Because a manual by itself won't get the job done. If you just have the insufficient tools... And just a manual, it's not enough. You need a manual with the sufficient, productive 
the state-of-the-art tools with the manual and watch what happens. And by the way, if you don't even open up the manual, you'll be there a year. Yeah, and yeah, I've been left with spare parts too. I just threw them in the box and said they overgave me, you know. <laughs> but having the right tool can make the job easier, more precise, and, and more enjoyable. Thankfully, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we all have access to an amazing array of tools to use in, a, in, the, in the various parts of the kingdom project God puts us in. So whether it's reconciliation, evangelism, missions, discipleship, I pray that we would all be willing to see not only the opportunity the Lord puts in front of us, but to be willing to use some powerful tools. And when we click in to who has the power tools, His name is the Holy Spirit. Because the power of the Holy Spirit, where we get the word dunamis, right? Power, dunamis. Where we get the word dynamite. It's powerful. It will cause something to happen inside of us and around us. That when we come to the altar and when we pray for our children and our children's children, we can believe God will answer. Because we're using the right tools that He puts inside of us. Tools like from Galatians 5. Tools of the power of the Holy Spirit because of the blood of Jesus. Folks, we all have opportunities to do something for the kingdom. But sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll walk right by it. In John chapter 4, verse 35, it says this. This is Jesus. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest? But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. You see, the world and our culture, even church culture, may inadvertently mislead us. They may tell us, here's the formula. Four months. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Do this, do this, do this, do this. And after, as long as you do this, 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 it's all going to be done. Fixed. Boom. Four months. You see, let me give you something. Maybe write this down. The traditions of men will make the power of God of no effect in your life. The ungodly traditions of men will make the power of God of no effect in my life. It's the story of the religious leaders of the day. The Jewish people could not see in front of them that Jesus was right there, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Christ. Instead, they mocked him, they ridiculed him, they whipped him, they beat him, and they hung him on a cross. The traditions of men, the ungodly traditions, will make the power of God of no effect in your life. Is there a tradition of man that you're still living by that makes the power of God of no effect in you, in your marriage, in your family? And you're so strong-willed you won't even look at it? 
You won't even consider it? That's the power of these traditions. If they're ungodly traditions, they could be like a curse. And they could go from generation to generation to generation, just like they did. They went all the way back from Moses' time, all the way into the desert, and all the way forward to Jesus, and all the way forward to today. Be careful of the ungodly traditions of man. The tradition said four months from planting to harvest. But Jesus says, look out the window. The harvest is ready now. No, we got to wait another four more weeks. You're going to miss it because you're following a tradition, an ungodly tradition. Not all traditions bad, but ungodly ones are. So, there's opportunities all around us every day if we're willing to hear him speak to us. He'll put it right on our path. Let me show you in Luke chapter 10, verse 30 through 37. Verse 30 reads, Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. He was mugged. He was beat up, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest, this would be a Jewish priest, came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. I'm not going to mess with him. Verse 32, likewise, the Levi, when he arrived at the place, came and looked, and passed by the other side. But a certain Samaritan, whew, he journeyed, came where he was, meaning the guy who got beat up and mugged, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil, most likely olive oil, and wine, and he sent him on his own animal, most likely a donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, that's a name of money, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend when I come back, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now this story happens after the story of the lawyer. We go two more verses later, Jesus shares this story. So the lawyer has just got, I mean, he just got whooped. Go and do likewise. And then two more verses later, Jesus shares his whole story, and he makes the enemy of every Jew the hero of the story. Can you imagine the silence in the room? What? Yeah. A Samaritan was considered a half Jew, half Gentile or pagan, and half Jew. They were not allowed to even be in the temple area. They, they weren't welcomed. There was this massive racism between these two clans. 
it was divide and beat on each other. And so the two religious, the Levite and of course the priest, who should have come to the moment and say, let me help you, my brother. They, they, whoa, I don't want nothing to do with that. And the other one did the same. But the enemy of the culture walks right up, gets the oil, gets the wine, bandages him up, covers up his nakedness, puts him, on his, puts him in his own car, and takes him to a place where he could be watched and cared for and flips the bill on his tab. And whatever more you spend, I'll take care of it. He doesn't even know the guy's name. He doesn't even know if this guy is really a murderer or a rapist. That didn't matter. Because in that moment, he's half dead. And in my humanity, I'm going to help because I choose life. He's a Samaritan. What? How disgraceful. And Jesus makes the one nobody can understand the hero. I mean, can you imagine when the lawyer heard about the priest and the Levite? He probably expected Jesus to, to say next that the common Jewish man was the one who came along and helped. But Jesus goes to the enemy of everyone who's Jewish. I mean, generally speaking, Jews and, and Samaritans, they despised each other. You didn't have to do anything but just look at each other, and now it was fist to blows. It was going to happen. But not in this story. Why? Because Jesus is about bridge building. And He wants you, if you're a Samaritan, to be a bridge builder. Let God use you because of your kindness and your goodness, your grace, your mercy. And watch how God will turn things around. Both time and money are tools in our lives and we can choose to use them well or we can choose to use them poorly. In the story of the Good Samaritan, neither the priest nor the Levite offered time or money to help. And they both had that amazing opportunity to extend help. And they didn't. How many times have you, have I, like the priest and like the Levite, we walked around. I don't have time and I'm not giving my money. It's convicting. I mean, I feel it. Maybe you do too. It's time to build bridges, folks. So where do we begin? I would argue that you begin in your own life. In your own circle of influence with relationships. Start with where you see people on a regular basis. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a child. A cousin, a relative. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's the barista at the coffee shop. Maybe it's somebody who's a cashier. 
Maybe it's somebody you see all the time when you go to the gym. Whoever it is, is an opportunity for you to pour out the oil. Say, hey, can I buy that coffee for you? How can I show the love of Christ and build a bridge? Bridge the gap, folks. And I encourage you to be bold in prayer. Intercede in prayer for who and where you would build a bridge. You know, it's one of those things that sometimes it's strange because, you know, we hear this, but I'll tell you something. When I pray in the Spirit over something, and I pray in the Spirit over something over and over God, over and over again, God just shows up. There's something dynamic that dunamis. Because as you pray in the Spirit, I don't pray with all my baggage of my life. I don't pray with all the baggage of my intellect. Because how many know, if you're honest, sometimes you're wrong? I mean, just sometimes. You know what I mean? But how about if you had a way where you could pray and the prayer, the prayer, not you, but the prayer was perfect. Would you want that? And so when I pray in the Spirit, He that is perfect prays through me, with me, for me. And the prayer's perfect! And who gets the glory? The King. I encourage that. Because as you do that, all of a sudden, God can use you bang, 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 bang with all these incredible tools and before you know it, you're building a bridge. And that which was a divide, a chasm between them and us now becomes we. We. A family. A team. All doing what? The work of the kingdom. Together. Can you imagine what happens when we all bridge these gaps? The church goes from this to this to this. I, I need longer arms. And the cross gets the glory. Oh, Lord. Folks, as we reflect Jesus to other people around us, like the Samaritan did, it won't always be easy to do that. But in fact, as we do that, it's transformational at the home, in the neighborhood, in the city, the county, the state, literally the world. But we must be willing to go the extra mile and be willing to sacrifice our time and be willing to sacrifice our money for others who need help because they're in a bad place. And if we do that, 
when it's our turn, God will provide somebody to help us in our need. Haven't you noticed that? How many of you guys, just think, you don't have to say it out loud, how many guys have ever heard that, that old phrase when somebody did something really great for you and, I don't know, they hand you some, I don't know, $100. And you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. And they go, no, 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 no. Now, now you have an obligation. Pass it forward. When it's time for somebody else, you give them that $100 to them. And then you tell them to pass it forward. What have we just done? We're talking the best welfare program there is. If everybody's helping out everybody, then guess what? Everybody's helped. And the bridge is built. So as we wrap up our time today, may we strive to be more like George Washington or the Good Samaritan, but most importantly, like Christ. To be a person of action to be intentional, be willing and able to be used by God, move beyond our cultural taboos and those things that divide us, move beyond the societal hierarchy, move beyond our own biases and reach out your hand this week or even today and build a bridge and bring unity and love to our world that we live in. As, as we close, I, we're going to begin to start to do something and I'm going to have a, a prayer team that we're going to schedule and they're going to come up and they're going to be available every week. How many know that sometimes we need prayer? I don't know what it is about the body of Christ that, that if you come up to the altar, there must be, oh, there's something wrong with them. Did you see them? Oh, that sister Susie? Ooh. It's bad up there. How about we stop playing divide the people again? Because we gossip? How about sometimes I so believe in the power of God that if I go and do what it says in James chapter 5, call the elders of the church, anoint them with oil, and pray for them, and those who are sick, they're going to recover? And I can pray for anybody? And if I have a need, or pray for, pray for those in my life who I know have a need, whether it's a neighbor, a family member, or a co-worker? That we would look at those who say, I have great faith in the power of prayer. And we would bless those who come forward for prayer. Instead of those other churches that, oh, they're in bad place. Really? How sad. How sad. So as I begin to close us out in prayer, I'm going to have the prayer team who's scheduled for this week, would you guys come on up here and be, be available? And as I get ready to pray, would the rest of you all please stand with me as we close in prayer? Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. And Lord, I just, I just come before you and, and say, Lord, help us to be bridge builders. Help us to know that nothing is impossible with you. Help us to be the Samaritan. Lord, to not be worried about 
the cultural taboos. But Lord, just to be worried about how can I help share the gospel because I'm a bridge builder. I operate in grace. I operate in mercy and in love. Lord, we love you. And we want to see thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Help us not to be uh, distracted and have our eyesight turn and looking the wrong way when we should have our eyes lifted up and looking on the cross, knowing nothing is impossible with you. Oh, Jesus, we love you. And for all those who might need prayer or prayer for somebody else, Lord, uh, may they feel free to come and, and receive that prayer. We pray your will, your way, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.